check. Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we ask that uh, this morning we would meet you and have a fresh understanding and experience of your incredible mercy to us, your kindness to us, so that our hearts would overflow with gratitude, a gratitude that is unremitting that fills us with joy and hope because we know we have a Heavenly Father who loves us deeply and is for us. And we need that more than anything else, Lord. And we ask that by your grace you would provide that as we look to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, this morning I want to talk to you about gratitude. Gratitude. And if you do a quick search, you'll see there's a great deal written about the benefits that gratitude actually brings to our lives in terms of things like mental health as well as our physical health. Uh, Apparently, gratitude helps in dealing with things like impatience and anxiety. It improves our overall happiness. It actually improves productivity. It reduces materialism in us. It strengthens marriages, improves your social life, Because grateful people tend to have more friends and deeper friendships. And researchers tell us a life of gratitude is helpful in all sorts of ways. And this morning, though, for our purposes, I want to talk specifically about gratitude in our spiritual life. Because gratitude toward God is an essential characteristic and a practice in the life of faith. You know, St. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, probably the earliest letter of all of his letters. And he said this to them. Remember, a church that is suffering deeply, he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I'm going to guess this may not be the most prominent feature of our lives the past year and a half. Okay, giving thanks in all circumstances. And this may sound like to you a little bit Pollyanna-ish. You know, you may argue, you know, this, maybe the statement doesn't really take into effect, uh, into account all of the stuff that's real, suffering. You know, it doesn't sound authentic. It sounds more like a Disney movie. It doesn't sound real. Gratitude, joy is not the disposition of those who are really smart or profound or creative, you know, it's because out of that angst you get great, amazing stuff produced. We need to sit in our suffering. And don't get me wrong here. You know, if you've been around our church, you know we do a lot of lamenting, acknowledging how life is really complex, that sin is real, the effects of it are real. 
pain and suffering are genuine. And we're a church that says you don't have to pretend everything is good. But being authentic doesn't mean you can't be grateful. Because in the Christian life, you can be in great pain, experience unspeakable suffering, and yet have a profound life of gratitude in God and to God. And in this encounter with the lepers that we see here with, that Jesus has, we see something that tells us uh, and teaches us something deeply profound about gratitude. It's something that doesn't naturally come to us. We actually struggle with gratitude to give thanks in all circumstances. That's not easy. It's a challenge. And we think of ingratitude maybe as a small issue something that feels sort of insignificant. You know, it's something I should work on. I just want to be a more grateful person. But the reality is this. Ingratitude is a soul-wilting malignancy. Ingratitude blinds us to the fact that we are the recipients of the mercy of God. It keeps us from experiencing the goodness of God And as David said earlier, it kind of leads to this place of self-pity, which is a really dangerous thing. You know, David Brooks wrote an editorial piece a few years back, and it was entitled The Structure of Gratitude. And he makes this observation. Most people feel grateful sometimes. You know, when someone brings you food after an illness, when you're like homebound, or when someone actually covers up a mistake or saves you from it. But he noticed something. Some people seem grateful dispositionally. Think about that for a second. They're thankful practically all of the time. And he's asking the question, what is it about them that brings this to light? What brings this forth? And he says this, gratitude happens when some kindness exceeds expectations, when it is undeserved. Gratitude is a sort of laughter of the heart that comes about after some surprising kindness. You're surprised by kindness. You have experienced something you did not deserve. And we won't give thanks, oftentimes because we're numb and blind when you're a Christian to the mercies of God until these things are awakened in us. And, and with that in mind, let's take a look at this passage and this story of the ten leopards. Because the first thing we begin to see is gratitude begins in a need for mercy. There's a need for mercy here because Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem in order to suffer and to die. And he's got a lot on his mind, but he walks through this village and he encounters ten lepers. And leprosy was not a life-threatening disease as we know, but it was a debilitating social disorder, right? Uh, they knew all about what it meant to be social outcasts. Social distancing was something they were very well acquainted with as they were required to keep a buffer, if you were a leper, of approximately 50 paces. So think 200 feet, you know. This is not six feet, 200 feet. They lived isolated lives. You know, you don't get to eat with your family. You don't get to go to school with your friends. You don't get to sit with people at church. So imagine how this would work. You're just like one day having dinner with your family. Next morning you wake up, you see some spots on your arms or your hands or your face, and that's it. You have to go and be an outcast, permanent quarantining. You don't get to hug your kids anymore. 
You don't get to go to work. The life you knew was over. You're no longer a part of this community. You're ostracized. You're separated. You're isolated. You are desperate because you are afflicted. And you know what else they had to do? If anyone came close enough, they had to warn them and self-identify that they were a danger. They were unclean. I could infect you. Imagine you have to scream out to someone who comes near to you the worst thing about yourself. I'm a liar. I'm an addict. I'm dangerous. I'm an adulterer. I'm a pretender. I'm a fake. Stay away from me because this is my brokenness. This is my shame. And I don't want this to impact you. So as they were walking, as Jesus is walking by, they see Jesus and they cry out in verse 13. It says, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Because this is their chance. So they beg and they cry out to him. They don't even ask to be healed, but they just ask for mercy. I'm not sure what they're expecting from Jesus at this point. But they ask for mercy because they know they are in need. And here's the question for us. Who needs mercy here? Who needs mercy here? The answer is you and I do. And the question is, why don't we ask for it like these ten lepers do? You know what Jesus says uh, in Matthew 7? He says, you know, ask your heavenly Father for good things. He delights to give good things to his children, to those who ask him. He's a good father, so ask him for his mercy. I mean, this is the first thing that seems so obvious that I think we run over very quickly. We need to recognize we are people in need of mercy, and like the lepers, we are invited to call out to God, to Jesus, and say, Lord, I need your mercy. I am in dire need. And he delights, he delights to answer us. But oftentimes we don't like to ask for help. Most of us don't because we'd rather be self-sufficient. There's, it feels like something virtuous about that, right? Sometimes it's our pride. We don't want to admit we need God. We don't want to admit we are weak. But there is a need. And part of growing in gratitude is recognizing you are in need Because I don't know how else anything God brings into your life feels like, wow, he did something miraculous. So Jesus answers here, right? And this is the story. Jesus hears the cry of the lepers. And let's look at these people who receive his mercy. And what does he say to them? It's interesting here. He doesn't go over and pray for them. Did you notice that? He doesn't touch them as he did with the first healing of the lepers we saw back in Luke chapter 5, because he goes up to that leper back then, several chapters ago, touches him and says, be clean. He doesn't make a promise that things are going to be better. Nothing you might expect is said here. But in verse 14, he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's what you're supposed to do when you are healed, right? Because in the ancient world, the priests were the health officers. They had to declare that you were clean so you can come out of quarantine and enter life again. And here's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is asking them, these 10 lepers, to act on something that is not yet a reality. He is asking them to exercise faith by living 
in the presence of a promise. Act in anticipation of a cleansing that they will receive mercy. And verse 14 ends with, and as they went, they were cleansed. They were made well. On their way, as soon as they acted on this, that is when the cleansing happens. And this is, again, hard for so many of us. The recipients of mercy in this passage are those who acted in anticipation of a promise. But we always want certainty before we act, don't we? We want predictability and an outcome that is guaranteed and one we can count on before we are willing to commit and to act. We don't like risk, especially in this area of spirituality. And Jesus is asking these 10 lepers, and he's asking us, will you trust me? Allow me to surprise you with grace and mercy. You know, in what area of your life is Jesus asking you that question? Maybe that's a question for you this morning. In what area of your life is Jesus asking you, allow me to surprise you with my grace? Maybe it's something where you feel like, I have seen no movement. I don't know if God is ever going to answer my prayers in this area, help me deal with my sin, my brokenness, or just this sense of disappointment. Jesus is saying, allow me to surprise you with my grace. Will you trust me? Where have you been saying, Lord, I don't know what you're asking of me, but I need more assurance before I ask, before I act. I'm afraid to be disappointed, you know? And again, he keeps asking, will you live by faith and live in my promise? Because when you do, When you do, you will receive mercy. And that is what Jesus is saying here. Now, here's the interesting part about the story, because this is where the story turns. All 10 lepers were healed. All 10 lepers were healed. But when you look at verse 15, it says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his feet at fell on his face excuse me at Jesus' feet giving him thanks he begins by praising god wouldn't you i mean you've received your life back you're out of quarantine you can go back to your family your friends you you can go back to school your life praising god is a normal response you're just amazed and this leper he could have done that without returning to jesus He could have returned home praising God. That's a a reaction you see oftentimes after a miracle in the Gospels. You can go out and tell others about God's mercy to you and praise God in that way. But he does something notable here. He hasn't even obeyed Jesus to go all the way to a health official, a priest, to show himself. But he is so overwhelmed with what has taken place. He returns, falling on his face at Jesus' feet, a sign of worship, okay, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. This is the big reveal. The rug has been pulled out of us in this story. Luke has withheld this piece of information until this point because Jews hated Samaritans. Wait a second. You're, you're saying of all the people, of the ten, 
The one who came back and recognized and worshipped Jesus was a Samaritan? They despised them and looked down on them. And we know this. We saw this in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. It was shocking in that parable that the Samaritan turned out to be the good neighbor. And remember why this was the case. They were descended from Jews who intermarried with Canaanites who did not believe in Yahweh, the God of Israel. They were considered a mixed race. They were sort of children of Israel, but they really weren't. They were known as people who compromised their faith by worshiping other gods. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 7. They looked at the Bible differently. They said only the first five books of the Old Testament are scripture. They rejected rest of the Old Testament. And on top of that, they had the gall to build a rival temple on Mount Gerizim and not worship in Jerusalem. I mean, you you can begin to understand all of the animosity and why the Jews really looked down on the Samaritans. You have all of that racial, ethnic, religious uh, strife in the background. And here it is. The Samaritan was the one who recognized Jesus, who met God and worshipped him and gave thanks to him. He was the one who recognized Jesus was the one who did this, who saved him, who restored him socially, spiritually. And he comes up to Jesus, not 50 paces away, but he worships him with overwhelming gratitude. And Jesus says, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Ten lepers made hold, but one was saved. One got much more than social and physical healing. He actually got eternal life. Because all ten were healed, but one turned back or returned. Also a word that is often used in the Bible for repentance. And it was to this Samaritan, Jesus says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. That word made you well, you might have a notation in your Bible with a footnote. Oftentimes that word in Greek is made whole or saved This is what's going on here. All ten received the same blessing, experienced the same miracle, but the Samaritan alone encountered God in it. The others were excited about the gift, but they didn't meet the living God who gave this gift, Jesus himself. This is why Jesus declared that the Samaritan not only was cleansed, but he was saved. He was saved. How do we know this? How do we know this is kind of what this guy was thinking? Look, you don't fall on your face at someone's feet. That was not a common act in those days. You only did that for the worship of God. You know, in Acts chapter 10, there's this story of Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion who was devoted to God. And the apostle Peter enters his house. And when he first meets Peter... Cornelius falls on his face at his feet. And you know what Peter says? He says, stand up. I am only a man myself. Meaning, don't worship me. See, this is the being prostrate on your face was an act of worship. And Luke is including this story because this is exclusive to 
this gospel story again because he wants us to know these are the people who actually get Jesus, understand him, and have a relationship with him. It seems to be the marginal, the poor, the women, the Samaritan, those who are in need of the mercy of God. They're the ones who begin to see and understand and appreciate. And there's this deep sense of gratitude. Jesus loves to kind of stick his thumbs in the eyes of the world who say, you know what, I'm okay. And this is often our problem. God's mercy is wider than we know. Our need is greater than we think. And the good news continues to be the Lord Jesus loves the despised, the ignored, the least likely in the eyes of the world to get the blessing. The ones who need mercy, they're the ones who get it. It's the Samaritan woman at the well, the prostitute who washes Jesus' feet with her tears. It's the disreputable and the sinner. You know, this is a hard teaching. You know why? Because we believe we have a right to a good life, that we are entitled to it. Not only that, we think Jesus is somehow lucky to have us on his team. We're all first-round draft pick material. That's how we see ourselves, right? I have a gift to give to Jesus. I know how to make a big impact for him. But you know what? I've got good news for you. Jesus doesn't need any of those things because, by the way, you know, we're not all you know, five-star recruits. And that's good news for us because we don't need to be that in order to be accepted by Jesus. He's just saying, come, just recognize your need. Because the outsider, they know one thing, I need his mercy. And he seems to be very fond of you. You know, um, the one who is forgiven little, loves little, is something Jesus said and that is something that should ring true of us because it's the ones who recognize their need that continues to grow in a life of gratitude. Now, let's go back to something here. How are we supposed to respond to all of this healing? Because, and verse 17, read this with me again. It's just like haunting. We're not 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? I, that, that's just like a haunting question. I, didn't they think? I mean, what was, what was going on? Look, I think they were all probably thankful. I guarantee they were grateful in their hearts. They were healed. They were freed, you know? They're returning to their homes, their families. But going back to Jesus and worshiping him and giving thanks to him and recognizing all of those good things were just not a priority. And who can blame them in one sense? So what is the issue? Because this healing was meant to do something. Awaken in them a gratitude and a worship of the God who provided this healing. Because it is in that relationship and the recognition of Jesus as the one who has come to bring this healing, not only in this one area of leprosy, but he has come to do this in all aspects of life. And for him to be able to see that and experience all of this on a regular basis, gosh, that is a gratitude that is going to be a river that is unremitting and flowing in our hearts. And that's what this person has. This person, this Samaritan who's come back in gratitude, worships and recognizes this. 
It is God himself who is merciful. His mercy is not going to end just at my healing here. And the rest, for them, the thankfulness wasn't a priority. And we have to see the seriousness of this miss, this ingratitude. Because when you cannot give thanks to God for all that he has done and all that he is doing, it leaves you cynical and oftentimes joyless. It really does. It really does. Gratitude is the guardian of our joyful hearts. David said this in the beginning of the service. And did you actually know ingratitude is one of the causes of our rebellion against God? That sounds like a pretty big claim, but let me, hear me out here. In Romans chapter 1, it says this. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They knew God. They didn't honor him or give thanks to him. It is at the root of sin in so many ways. Thanklessness and gratitude, it leads to the grumbling we talked about earlier in the service. Grumbling. I have a question for you. Are you a grateful person dispositionally? Meaning, are you grateful all the time, generally speaking, or are you a grumbler? How would your friends describe you or your family? Um, Which are you? I mean, no one is, you know, fully grateful or only a grumbler. I get that. Predominantly, what are you? Do you find yourself in the midst of suffering and hardship? I can't believe good God is to me? Or do you say my life is one problem after another? I mean, are you stunned by all that you have or are you just never satisfied? You're never contented. You know, why are we so ungrateful? And, And I think a lot of it comes down to entitlement. We feel we are owed much more, a life of ease. And when we don't have it, we think we deserve it. It's just wrong. I don't have the life I dreamed of for myself. I don't have the job, the house, the spouse, the kids, the claim, whatever you want to call it. So we complain a lot. It's kind of like the Israelites in the desert after they're, you know, released from their bondage and they're complaining. Remember, they were freed after 400 years in slavery And they're now wandering the desert. And they keep saying, this is awful. We have nothing to eat but the same food, manna. My goodness, God, why do you give us the same food every single day? Back in Egypt, it was so good. Really? You were slaves, people. Okay? We had leeks and onions. God, what are you doing? Grumbling. Oh, my goodness, right? But here's the thing. We can actually say no to complaining and grumbling and indifference. We can choose to rejoice because in Jesus Christ... We begin to see our lives not through the lens of what we perceive, but through faith. That God's kingdom is coming. That Jesus' love actually accomplished something. That he did something on the cross that changed everything. That my present frustrations and sufferings will not be what defines me. But God's mercy, his promise, and the reality of all of it is here now. And I have access to it through the Holy Spirit. And we need to reconnect with this. 
And yet we forget so easily. So we need to be a community that encourages each other in this spirit of gratitude. You know, and this is why we want to have a regular time with God on a daily basis. You know, one of the things I do every morning is I, I do a prayer time with the Book of Common Prayer in the morning. And you know what the first line is? Every morning it's this. It's from Psalm 51:15. It says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. That is the first line of the prayer every single morning. It's a reminder again that this is the day that God has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. It's a training of our hearts to remind ourselves of all that God has given us in his son. And that that promise is real today. Because having gratitude is not going to make God love you more but it's going to allow you to experience the love of God more in your life. So Jesus is calling us here to cultivate a life of gratitude, to see the good news, to see what he can bring and what he has brought. Something you're able to rest in. My friends, you know, our God longs to show mercy. He His love for you is fierce, unrelenting. And it's a reminder of something the Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 4. You know why we love him? Because he first loved us. We have no idea what it costs God to make us his. We have such a small understanding of his love and commitment to us. But when we get little bits of that and when we begin to see it, we see his mercy, we see his grace, we, you know what we're supposed to do? Praise him for it. Give thanks this morning. Give thanks this week, my friends, for all that Christ has done for us, lest we forget his mercy to us. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you that this morning that you remind us we are people in need we're in people, we are people who just need your mercy. We oftentimes want to put our best foot forward and demonstrate to people, we're fine, we're good, we're sufficient. But the reality is, we need your mercy and grace and more than we let on. Oftentimes, we're more like the nine than the one leper who returned. But this morning, we ask, Lord, fill us with your spirit, fill us with gratitude, joy, and hope because of what you have done, because you are so good. Help us to rest in that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.